This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hi, I'm Dina Marie, the host of the Twisted Philly podcast, and I've got a question for you. Do you love podcasts? Because I sure do. And that's why the podcast community, Podcast We Listen To, is hosting their very first podcast convention for listeners. It's called Pottern Love. The Pottern Love convention is for listeners by listeners. It's for all of us, and it includes podcasts from every genre you could imagine, including comedy, movies and TV, pop culture, paranormal, history, health and fitness, true crime, and so many more. Our first convention is August 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2018, in one of the coolest cities in the country, New Orleans, Louisiana. And it's being held at the Intercontinental Hotel, which is a premier French Quarter hotel. The location is amazing. And the room rate can't be beat either. It's only $129 a night. Tickets are on sale on the website at www.pottern.love. That's www.podern.love. There are over 40 independent podcasts already lined up to present at Pottern Love, and we'll be adding more before the convention. Plus, featured podcasters have discount codes, so you can get a discount on your tickets. Be sure to follow Pottern Love on Twitter and Facebook for the latest convention updates, news, information about new shows that are joining, and links to a dedicated website just for Pottern Love attendees to book their hotel room. We can't wait to see you this August in New Orleans. Hey, peeps. Welcome to episode 94 of Hillbilly Horror Story. I'm Jerry, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Tracy. Hey, guys. Hope y'all had a beautiful Sunday. It was a very cool Sunday for us. We went and saw Deadpool 2. Completely awesome movie. Oh One gosh. of the few sequels that was every bit as good as the original. Absolutely. It was great. So you guys need to go see it. Yep. If you like crude humor. If not, you, <laughs> you know, may not want to go see it. Oh, well, you know how we roll. We like crude humor, so. A uh, big thank you to all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you're supporting. God bless every one of you. Thank you for keeping us safe. We're always praying for you. Uh, real quick, because I don't want to forget this time, but you heard the, uh, the message for Potter and Love. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. It's rapidly approaching. We're just under th- three months now. Oh my gosh, I know. I'm so excited. From it. And we can't really release anything yet, because we don't have everything etched in stone, but we're going to have... Uh, a good part of it. I know we're going to be on a panel on Friday. Uh, Saturday, I'm going to be uh, working as a moderator. Uh, we're also going to be on another panel on Saturday, and we're doing a live show uh, at some point in time during the thing. So we're going to be 
heavily involved. Yeah, busy, busy. Yep, so it's going to be so much fun, and we're going to be able to meet so many other great podcasts. I know, that's the best part about it, and listeners, that's the best part about this whole thing, so we're we're very excited about it and can't wait for it to get here. So before I forget, I want to make sure that I mention that if anybody wants to get tickets and they want to save a little moolah, like 10% worth, just go to pattern.love and uh, the promo code is hillbilly. Woohoo! Save you some money. We want to uh, once again throw out the suicide prevention hotline in the United States anyway, uh, 1-800-273-8255. And uh, just remind anybody that if you're going through some tough times, find somebody to talk to, whether it's us, whether it be a friend, whether it be this phone number, um, text somebody, send us a message on Facebook, however you want to do it. Just know there's people out there that care about you. Absolutely. And there's always somebody, whether you realize it or not. I wanted to say that we have been getting emails uh, and, and messages to the Facebook page and tweets uh, over the past three or four weeks since we started doing this with uh, a lot of you guys out there that are telling us their stories and how it's meant something to you. We had a listener this week uh, say that her husband actually reached out for help because um, the little thing that we've been doing each week, but just mentioning that, and we couldn't be... Uh, get a more better uh, more better listen to my English we couldn't get a better compliment than that to know that we're helping make a difference and it's actually this message is reaching people absolutely so thank you all so much for um, you know letting us do it and not you know griping that we're taking up more time and and all that this is something we feel like is important and we have a platform where we can reach thousands of people every week and we think it's important to get it out there so um, i'm glad that you guys allow us to do it even more importantly i'm glad that people are benefiting from it yeah me too we love you guys all right so real quick let's do some uh itunes reviews for the week uh pippi nordenstam no, I, I love that name. I probably butchered it. She's from Sweden, and I'm sorry, oh, Pippi, if I did. Oh, I love that, Pippi. Uh, K. Goway, thanks. Um, <laughs> it's a one star, but still, it's a review. Seven Bone Tea, Kilo to Bravo. That's a cool name. It is. Anthony's Mommy, 0122. Yay. Backwoods Buffalo. I've oh. dated a few of those. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> Carolyn Ghani from San Francisco. Les A Lot. Jay Lane and Hate the Prices. Thank you, guys. We had some really cool Patreon supporters this week. Uh, Jamie Huff, Caitlin Huff, their husband and wife team. Thank you, guys. We it's, love you. It's awesome that both of them decided to make pledges on their own. Oh, it is very nice. And then we've got uh, Karen Collins and John Jocelyn. Thanks, John. Thanks, Carolyn. Well, you're really stretching all those out tonight, aren't you? I know. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a sunny day. Thank you guys so much for your support. We appreciate you guys. I wanted to mention, because I forgot to mention this at all on the last t- last show, but we've got our uh, Indianapolis live show coming up, sponsored by Wave One Radio. That's going to be super fun. I'll post the link again on our page, but I know uh, uh, Mysterious Circumstances, mm-hmm. Justin Rimmel, uh, they've been posting it on their page, and they've mentioned it. Shane Waters and his show, Out of the Shadows, are going to be there with us that night. And Shane is getting tons of media publicity because he's been doing that story about the uh, red-headed serial killer yes. that was killing people all over the uh, 
southern part of the United States and just leaving them, and most of them didn't have names. And, I mean, he just got back from a press conference in Tennessee on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. That was pretty big uh, news, and Shane's a cool guy anyway. He is very cool. He went uh, on his trip down to Tennessee. He was stopping by all the places where the victims found and was putting a red cross on the side of the freeway in memory of the the victims. Very cool. Very cool, Shane. So he's going to be uh, talking about the show then. They might be about time to, to be wrapping that thing up by mm-hmm. the time we get there. But if you haven't listened to any of those, he's got like, I think it's five episodes now on it. Go back and listen to it uh, out of the shadows, and I think you'll you'll be very impressed with what we got going on. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be fun. This place is like a real-life studio, and they've got enough seating for 150 people. Great. So it's going to be really cool. But uh, $10 a ticket, you get to see all three shows and meet and greet, hang around. Everybody will uh, take pictures and stuff if you want and sign anything you want done. I know Justin will probably uh, sign very many women's uh, upper halves. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to assume. Oh. But so that we got that. And then last but not least, we have a couple of uh, little special shout outs. Rihanna Lee and uh, her dad, and I'm hoping I pronounce this right, uh, Rob Mulherine mm-hmm. in the, the UK. They're big supporters, and she asked if we could give her dad a shout-out, so we included her in the oh, shout-out. Oh, hey, Rob. So so glad you listened to us. We're honored to have you aboard. Yep, thank you so much. Thank you, honey. And this one is one that, even though it hasn't happened yet, by the time they listen to it, it will have happened. Lindsay and Grant Best. That's a new last name for Lindsay because they are getting married on the 24th. They've been, uh, both of them have been on our Listener Stories episode. If you've got Patreon, you've probably heard them. They live in Oklahoma, but they're taking their honeymoon to Hawaii. Nice. And they're going to listen to the show on the 25th together on the plane. So even though it's not the 25th yet... By the time they listen to this, they will have been married and on their way to their home. Oh, congratulations, guys. Yep. Many years of happiness and love and have fun on your trip. Yep, absolutely. And hopefully you don't go to the volcano parts over there. So Yeah, don't go there. Yeah, it might be a little hot. Yeah, if they want you to take the helicopter ride over the volcanoes, I would probably pass on that one. Yeah, me too. So they might be offering you a really good deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to both of you. And thank you guys for listening. We appreciate and love you. Okay, so we have... A bunch of stuff going on tonight for the okay. show. I stumbled upon some stuff that could end up making this one of the more interesting shows that we've done. Mm-hmm. So we've got two stories from oddly enough, and this was this was really the coincidence from the same city in Mexico. Okay, and then uh, we've got uh, we I kind of teased this a little bit last week, but we've got a little uh, about a half hour, forty minute um, episode thing that we did with. Phil Holmes from Scared and Worst Crimes Ever, and uh, Lee Solway from the former Don't Break the Oath podcast, mm-hmm. and, and now it's uh, Realm of the Supernatural. We sat down and had a little chat that was really fun uh, about Loch Ness Monster. Yep, it was fun. So we're going to do one of those at least twice more. Uh, that was Phil's idea for a show, and uh, Lee has this month's idea coming mm-hmm. up, and then we've got ours to finish. So we'll do at least those three, one of, of each one of our ideas, and uh, we'll tag it on to one of these shows. And oh, good. That sounds fun. I know Lee already released it on his show, so you've probably heard it if you're a, a listener of their show, and Phil uh, listed it as well. So we're the kind of lagging behind we haven't played our show so there's a good chance you might have already heard yeah. it but it's just kind and of a little so we hope you liked it yeah it's just a little bonus thing anyway but so far it's gotten really good feedback by the people who have heard it oh so. good 
So let's talk about this little town in Guanajuato, Mexico. Hmm. How about that? That was pretty good. That's a, a southern slash Mexican accent. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah. But good for you for trying. For any of our Hispanic listeners, you probably didn't understand a word I said, and you can correct me later. Yes, please, please <laughs> because, do that. <laughs> because I'm sure I completely butchered yeah. that. My Spanish um, that I learned back in, you know, High third, school. about 25 years ago was really uh, way off. Actually, you know what? It was closer to 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, well, All I know is, thank God for Sesame Street. That's yes. all I know. Ooh, <laughs> that's Dead, where I learned mine. Deadpool. Yep, there, yep. Was some, there was some Mexican in there today. Or Spanish. I'm saying Mexican like that's a language. Well, yeah. Duh. Okay. So let's jump on this first one. This is the story of Tadejo Mejia. And this thing goes back to the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite as modern as the next story we'll talk about in the same city. Okay. But this one's pretty cool. Now, look, we know for thousands of years that... Ancient cultures believed in uh, offering human sacrifices to appease their gods. Right. They would offer these sacrifices for various reasons. Could be victory in battles or to get good crops, uh, maybe uh, droughts or something that Mm -hmm. they would try to cure. And they would even do it for or to give a a longer lifespan to uh, tribal leaders or chiefs that they had around the time. So a bunch of different reasons. And most of these cultures... They've, you know, long since gone away, mm-hmm. like the Aztecs and stuff like that, that they're gone. So there's not a whole lot of people that would believe uh, in the system. And the belief system's changed a lot with newer discoveries of science and medicine and stuff like that, which is the reason most of this stuff existed to begin with. People mm-hmm. just didn't know any better. Oh, okay. This makes what happened in the 1890s in uh, uh, Guanajuato even more incredible. Tadeo Mejia murdered several dozen men and women in satanic rituals of human sacrifice. The mansion where he did all this is now a museum called House of Laments. Uh, laments is actually just another word for mourning or sorrow, which will make more sense as to why they named it this as we get on with the story. So what goes on in the, in the mind of a serial killer? Well, it's obvious that they're suffering from some kind of uh, mental illness. This case, though, is one of the most unique and intriguing reasons I've ever heard for a serial killer starting his or her killing spree. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear this. Well, today I lost his wife, Constanza, not to be confused with George Constanza from Seinfeld. I think it was... <laughs> a little before his time. Yeah, a little before his time. But there was a, a robbery at uh, Tadeo and Constanza's house. The robbers, in, in what apparently was like a robbery that got botched, they ended up attacking and killing Constanza. Now, some say that grief kind of drove him crazy, and some say that he was pretty much almost already there even before this incident. So that just pushed him over the edge, yeah, I guess. Yeah, apparently so. Tadeo went to a witch, uh, or as uh, the Spanish would say, the bruja, to get some advice. Mm-hmm. He desperately wanted to reach out to Constanza in the uh, afterlife and try to make some kind of contact. The witch told him that he could connect with her through bloody human sacrifice. Wait, you mean you mean if he killed others? Yes. He would be allowed to contact his wife? Yep, according to the witch. Oh, dang. Now, uh, who knows where she got that information from. It's possible that she was influenced by ancient Aztec ceremonies. 
uh, because, you know, the Aztecs of Central Mexico did practice ritualistic mm-hmm. sacrifice. So, Or she just made that stuff up. It's very possible. So they slaughtered and sacrificed men and women they captured in war as far as the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. So this is not new in Mexican history. And um, so it's very possible that's where she got the idea from. Yeah. So this is what starts the the torture and killing spree at the House of Lament. Tadeo kept symbols of his demonic possession in the house, and they found all this stuff eventually. Police confirmed that dozens of men and women in uh, in the cult of death rituals were sacrificed. Unfortunately, these sacrifices lasted for about 10 years in the uh, dungeon-like basement of his home. What are the things that he kept? From the people. Well, it wasn't so much things that he kept from the people. Mm-hmm. It was that he had like um, like altars and uh, all that stuff set up with demonic symbols. You know, like mm-hmm. the, uh, the so pen- he didn't pentagrams have like, and stuff oh, like that. So he didn't have like a finger somewhere? And a... No, but it's funny because there's one of those in the next story oh. that we're going to tell. But <laughs> his sacrifices stayed secret until he was killed. He killed himself. Oh, he killed himself? Yeah. Yeah. Officials that came into the house were shocked to find two complete corpses in the house. Unfortunately, the findings didn't stop there. They found hundreds of bone fragments in the furnace in the basement. Oh, my gosh. Police assumed that he was trying to destroy as much evidence as possible, and nobody knows exactly how many people were killed in these Mm, rituals. That's terrible. But they know by missing people and stuff like that that there was dozens. So then he, I, I mean, did he figure out in the end that what that witch said just wasn't working? I have no idea. I have no idea. Or maybe that was the the key was to do that for 10 years and kill yourself or something. Oh, I'm not sure. Okay. But the museum features several items from uh, today, including pictures of him and Costanza, which I'll post on our Facebook page a little later. There were skulls, chains, and objects of black magic, but they didn't get specific there's really not a lot of details on this case, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought it was an interesting case, and I wanted to bring it out. Uh, there are, of course, hauntings. There's reports of cries and screams um, from possible uh, Tadeo's victims. Uh, what lurks under the house of Lament? Who knows? Do tortured souls cry out? It's possible. Well, I'm sure they do. Only that's the dead so know. That's so terrible. Huh? I said only the dead know. Yeah. The question really, is, really are they willing sad. to tell you? Well, they like to keep tight lips sometimes. So what was the, I mean, I think I'm going to ask a dumb question, but what does lament, you said that would explain? Well. Did I miss it? Yeah, probably just by the fact of, but lament means mourning or um, uh, sorrow. And keep in mind the reason he went on this killing spree is because he missed his wife so much that he was constantly trying to connect with her. Uh So he was mourning basically that whole 10 years. Uh So then basically named the house the house of mourning okay for that reason so that's why all right so how about that first story there's not that's all there was but i Mm -hmm. just thought it was interesting enough to tell it is and it's sad that all those other people had to die because of the stupidity and then they didn't even get to have a conversation with her yeah i'm (laughs) guessing i'm I'm guessing he probably didn't so i mean you know what i'm saying but it seems like such a waste that all those people had to you know, dying, all that stuff. So I want to jump straight into the second story because this one, 
like I said, this is the one that, that I accidentally ran across by doing that one. And sometimes research uh, takes you in directions you had no intentions on going. And this was definitely not a story we were going to do, and it ends up being the main focus of this mm-hmm. week's show. This is possibly the most shocking museum in the world that we're going to talk about. And I know there's like the Mudder Museum that's got all the weird crap in it up, mm-hmm. in, up in Philadelphia uh, that I would love to go to. But I think this one takes the cake. It's the Guanajuato Mummy Museum. And it's mm. every bit as messed up as it sounds. Where do you guys see these pictures? And, and I'm going to warn you ahead of time that... <laughs> These are not for the faint of heart. So let's get into the story. This Mexican town has a state-run museum that displays over 100 mummified bodies, including infants. Hmm. There's over 4,000 tourists that visit every single week. Oh, wow. 4,000 a week. Hmm. They say on Saturdays that they're open seven days a week, which I'll get into that a little more, but they say on Saturdays, that sometimes there's an hour wait and there's like 15 people at a time that go through. Mm-hmm. But there's still like an hour wait. There's that many people looking to come. Wow. And the cost is pretty cheap for, at least for U.S. dollars, it's only $2.50 to get in. But in Mexico, that's a good little chunk. Oh, I didn't know there was that much of a difference. Well, I mean, Mexico, for the most part, is a pretty poor country. So mm-hmm. that's why a lot of uh, labor is sent down to Mexico to be done because mm-hmm. a lot of the people in Mexico work for pennies on the dollar of what Americans work mm. or other parts of the country or uh, the world, I should say. The museum opened in 1950 and it's got bodies from people who died over 100 years ago all the way to 1999. Oh, dang. That yeah. recent? Yeah. And there'll be more. There'll be more added. The government defends the museum by saying that the Mexicans celebrate death as a big part of uh, the circle of life so they don't see an issue with it at least the Mm -hmm. administrators there don't so where did the bodies come from that's what most people want to know all of the bodies for the most part have been disinterred from the cemetery next door they're kept in glass cases they've got murder victims criminals uh, people who were buried alive and infants all in the same place the infants that they like to have were, for the most part, laid to rest dressed as saints. Mm-hmm. Apparently in uh, Mexico, it's a belief that if you lose a child, that if you dress them as a saint, that it eases their passage into heaven. Uh-huh. So that's, you know, when they see these babies that mm. have been become mummified and they're dressed like that. Because these mummies, they all come exactly how they were dressed when they were buried. Oh, wow. So they don't redress them. Yeah. So they got the clothes that they originally had on. So the thing that horrifies uh, visitors the most is the uh, agonizing look that's on the faces of most of these mummies. It definitely doesn't appear that they're resting in peace. Mm. When you see these pictures, you'll know what I'm talking about. There was a Peruvian uh, visitor uh, by the name of uh, Maria Concavals, and she said that it's the terrible expression that the mummies all have that makes it so horrific. Mm-hmm. Some people that go through this thing, they're just absolutely appalled. I'm like, well, why would you go through it? It's surely you knew what to expect when you're going to go into a museum of mummies. 
Well, maybe they didn't expect the expressions on their faces. Well, or and I think that's more or less what it is. So the mummies are preserved due to a method of burial in the St. Uh, Paola Cemetery next door. Okay, so are they... They don't just go over there and get them without asking permission, right? Or do they? Um, yes and no. So okay. we'll get into that a little bit deeper. That'll unfold. Uh, the corpses are placed in airtight crypts over at the, the cemetery mm-hmm. rather than being buried in the ground. Now, the lack of oxygen slows the natural rate of the decomposition. The mummies are a parchment yellow color. So it's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Their dried skin tightly forms around the bones. The thinner areas of the skin, like eyelids, cheeks, uh, earlobes, genitals, have pretty much deteriorated faster than the rest of the, of the body, and in most cases, very little remains except for flaky scraps and gaping holes. Oh, my gosh. No, don't just sound gross. That, yeah, it sounds terrible. The bodies dry out rather than putrefy, which causes the mummification. Most of the time, this can happen within two to five years. Mm-hmm. They were completely mummified. Oh, my gosh. That's right. it? Well, I guess. I mean, I don't know anything about it. Many of them are so well preserved <laughs> that their eyebrows, beard, and fingernails are all still intact. Oh. Nearly all of the mummies have their mouth gaped wide open. Oh, my gosh. See, now I think that would be the creepiest part, having all their hair and stuff still. It is pretty creepy. That's the result of the hardening of the tongue and the slacking of the jaw muscles after death. So it causes that Mm. gape. It leaves the look like they're experiencing some kind of terrible pain, but they said most of these people died peacefully. Now, there's different sections in this museum for different types of death. One of the sections has what, in uh, Mexican terms, a holy death, which is what's considered um, somebody that dies in their sleep. That's what they consider a holy death. Mm Mm-hmm. The glass case in another section contains three agonizing deaths. One is a man who died from being stabbed in the stomach. His stab wound is still visible through his parchment yellow skin. Oh, man. (laughs) And I've seen it's like he's got a shirt on and you can actually see like blood stains still around the shirt. It's like he was buried in the same clothes he was killed in. Wow. There's another uh, man who's drowned and the the rigor mortis that's set up in his legs makes him look like he's got frog legs you know how it's got the like oh like the bowled out yeah and then the last of the three is a pregnant woman who uh was buried alive by her family and her screaming face basically is covered by her skeletal hands oh my god that's how they could tell she was buried alive oh that's awful and that's that's yeah. so bad i can't believe people want to pay to see that well the cemetery next door is made up of an entire wall of individual crypts right seven tombs high and i'll post a picture of that also those that are occupied by people they're bricked up in the front uh and the outside has like a um a plaque that's got their name and and all that stuff on it of who's in there now the empty ones have dark square holes, so you know that they're still waiting for people, obviously, to be uh, interred in there. When you're buried here, you pay approximately $130 U.S. money mm-hmm. for a 20-year lease. Doesn't seem like a lot of money, does it? Not for 20 years. No. When your lease is up, they give you five days to renew the lease. 
if you choose not to pay or if you just don't have the money to pay, then your body is removed from that crypt. So you, when you're there, you're not there forever. You're there for five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, whatever you pay for. But I think it's a minimum of five years that you have to pay. What a money-making crap is that? <laughs> so your body's removed if you don't pay, and it's sent to the museum curator for inspection. And if the curator decides that your preserved body would have mass appeal and the huge number of visitors that come every week to see the collection would like seeing your body, then they keep it and put it on display. And if they feel like For that, free? Yeah, the people that the body belonged to, the family members, get nothing. No, I mean, but... Well, well he still they he still charges people to come in and look. Right, right. So if he rejects them and says, "Ah, they're not really what we're looking for," they're sent to a common grave on the outskirts of town and just they're still buried. So they're still going to get a some type of a burial, but it's just a place where they it's like a potter's field. Basically. Well, that's rude. Now the first ever to be disinterred and put there was Remigio Leroy. He was a French doctor who died during a visit here in the 19th century. And his body was released after 20 years in the crypt in 1865. Think about this. Mm -hmm. And they were amazed at how perfectly preserved his body was after 20 years. Mm -hmm. Now, I've seen some stuff on here that, that says that the reason that this all the, these bodies are well-preserved is because they're basically in an air... Type, airtight thing you know um crypt and but then i also saw some other stuff that said that it's unique to this place like mm -hmm. something about this place which is very because you know you think mexico it's a very hot place yeah you would think that you yeah, know that but, then it, but then again so is egypt and that's where a lot of other mothers yeah, are yeah, so of course you know what but, the heck is in what is that word you're what? saying interred that sounds gross. That's, that's, that's just buried, is all it is. Oh. When you bury somebody, you inter them. Inter or interred? <laughs> well, interred would be the past tense. If you buried somebody, you interred them. Wow. You should just say buried. Make my <laughs> life easier. <laughs> it sounded like you said, they stuck them in a turd. <laughs> I didn't understand that. <clears throat> anyway, so his condition, complete with his clothes, is still on display today. Really? So he, he was he was buried in 1845. Oh, see, now I kind of... And he, of, I and like he still has that. his clothes and everything. Yeah. And he still has facial hair and everything. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to try to... Because I'm going to list so many... Show so many pictures, but hopefully you'll be able to tell... Um, this, but I'm also going to post a video that, with a bunch of these pictures and stuff, so you'll get a lot of reference more mm -hmm. than we usually do on a show because I think it warrants it. But um, this place, it was a very small mining town, and you know you've got that the murder deal that mm -hmm. we just talked about, yeah. and you've got this museum and this little small mining town. So um, you know, back in 1865 when they pulled this guy out, they didn't have the museum back then. They basically had him like in the cemetery or they had it, you know, set up like on display, but it wasn't a museum. And uh, so they started beginning to collect all these well-preserved bodies over the years and eventually opened in the museum back in the 1950s. The biggest distinction that they have 
is it's home to the smallest mummy in the world. Oh my gosh. A four-month-old fetus of a woman who died uh, of a cholera outbreak in the 1860s. Oh, four months old. Yeah, it, wasn't, it was a fetus, four months old. Oh my gosh. It was still in the womb. Oh. It's no bigger than a coin. Oh. Well, how was, can you preserve that? And it was found preserved inside his mother's womb. When oh. she was removed from the crypt. So how they knew that it was there, I don't know. But once they removed her, this baby was in her womb. And they were able to get it out. So if you go to the museum, you can look at the fetus through a magnifying glass that's placed right above it. Now see, they should have never took it out. They should have left it with the mom. Why would you do that? I don't know. Maybe they wanted to separate it from his mummy. <laughs> <laughs> that is really bad. Well... It's funny though. It was a matter of time. It was going to have to come. Oh, out I know, time. but you know what I'm saying. They should have just left left the baby. The there. most recent addition is Baby Enrico. Baby Enrico was an infant who was six months old when he passed away in 1999. That's the one we discussed. Aww. Most recent. So he only had a five year lease, and when it expired in 2004, he was removed from the crypt and added to the collection mainly because his parents chose to dress him up as St. Bartholomew. Oh, good. His green and yellow tunic and wooden halo make him one of the most popular mummified bodies in the museum. His parents still come to visit him today. Oh my gosh. I don't know that I would want to see my baby in that condition. I'm sitting here thinking the same thing. They couldn't afford the cemetery fees any longer, so they occasionally come there to visit him. Baby oh, Enrico. I paid. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you probably would have. I would have. That's really sad. Baby Enrico is in the baby room. There are five infants in the baby room, all less than a year old, and they are all in individual cases and dressed exactly as they were found in the crypt. Little St. Martin is the final infant on display. He was never properly named because he was uh, died at birth, and they just didn't give him a name. I mean, and why not? I don't know. But his parents dressed him up as St. Martin, complete with the broom and the rosary and uh, his handmade cassock. What's which that? Cassock is, uh, you know, like you'll see priests and stuff from the old days, and they'll have the like the gown on, like a robe that goes, you uh-huh. know, like monks would wear that was from the neck oh, all the way yeah, down to yeah. the feet, uh-huh. but it's a solid piece, like one of those things. Oh. So they made him one, and they've got the broom and stuff. Now, I do have a picture of that one that will show them. That one's pretty easy. What's the broom for? That's what what the saint had. That oh. was part of the, you know, when you picture the saint. I mean, saint, that's that really was... sweet that they did that, but that's really very sad. Yeah. Only one body on display has been disinterred for... Uh, from an underground burial. Everything else came from a crypt. This one was actually from an underground burial. And the difference between him and his crypt counterparts is pretty remarkable since this is the only one that's a skeletal remains. So oh, it's wow. just a skeleton. But they've got uh, they've got like somebody in there that died during the um uh what do you got Spanish Inquisition. And, oh gosh. Yeah. Bunch that's of bunch very of cool interesting. Stuff. The museum's open seven days a week, but closes for one day every two months in order to clean the mummies. Because they said that most of them were still wearing the original clothes they were buried in, and the clothes begin to rot before the bodies do, so it's pretty vital that they keep them maintained if they're going to make them last. Well, how do they do that? I guess they just dust them off, and oh. I don't know, maybe they, maybe they sew some stuff together. Together, if they need to, oh. or I don't know. 
I have no idea. That's maybe, so interesting. Maybe they take them off and send them to the cleaners. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> they want light starch or heavy starch? It don't matter. Heavy oh. starch will be fine. <laughs> wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, oh, my gosh. Then there's some mummies in there that don't have clothes. And they've got yellow skin, and they've got shriveled eyeballs and gaping mouths making them look like zombies out of like a Hollywood movie. And when you see these pictures, you're really going to say they look like something out of Walking Dead or something. Why is their skin yellow? I mean, I guess it just turns. Is this just what I, mean, it I don't know. But I keep looking at the yellow paper I got my notes on, and I'm thinking it's the same thing. I know. That's, that's kind of freaky. But anyway, we said that they looked a lot like zombies and stuff like that. And for that reason... Multiple Mexican horror movies have used these mummies for props. I don't know why they would let them take them out of the cases or whatever. Yeah. The best known is uh, El Santo versus the Mummies of uh, Guantajuato. And it featured, I guess it was the most famous uh, wrestler uh, that was with the uh, Lucho Libre. Uh, Mexican franchise. So, like, remember the movie with Jack Black? Nacho yeah, Libre? yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. was kind of the, the deal. But this guy's... You know, that is crazy that they would do that because, I mean, what what if something happened to them? I don't know. And that's so disrespectful, it I is, think. It's very disrespectful. Uh, another section of the museum shows the creepier side, you know, as if this part wasn't creepy enough already. On display, it has a finger of a man who was murdered and buried next door. Now, why do they have this finger? Well, interesting. Following the funeral of the man that they suspected of killing him, Mm -hmm. and he got buried next door. Well, he didn't get buried. He got put in one of the crypts. And on top of the newly sealed crypt was this guy's finger pointing at his name as to say, this is the guy who killed me. (gasps) And they really don't know how that happened. They just know that that finger of the guy because he was already dead but he was missing a finger and then his finger turned up on that crypt pointing at it so that's kind of spooky that's funny it is kind of funny snitches get stitches I guess so he went until after he, they were both dead before he pointed the finger I know isn't that crazy I wonder how that did happen for real I don't know but the exhibit breaks no laws by displaying what they do. They say that the visitors come there, they're given fair warning that it's what very graphic contents. Yeah. Uh, Arturo Tabaras, who's the head of, and the spokesperson for the uh, government there, he said, we have a different cultural approach to death in Mexico. Here we celebrate the cycle of life and accept death as an inevitable 99% of the people who come to the museum leave here pleased mm-hmm. well I mean that's good I mean that's good for them that that's how they celebrate I guess that's probably how we all should look at things you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. not so much having corpses to look at or whatever but I mean that their thinking is right on so here's the weirdest part of the story I think is that there's a person outside that sells these little candy mummies that you could eat. Ooh. I don't know what how they're made. I don't know if I think they're like rock candy. Oh no. Uh-uh. But like Jolly Ranchers or Jolly Mummies. I don't know what they wow. are. But yeah. So you actually They probably sell the tar out of those things too. You know what? 
The tar. The hell? They sell the tar out of them. <laughs> Ain't that a saying? I guess it is. <laughs> if you're from the sticks, because yeah. get tar on your britches. Yeah, yo. But anyway, that's our two stories tonight. How Gosh. cool are those stories? From the same city and little small mining town in Mexico. Yeah, that's really cool that you came across those. And I'm almost like want to see these pictures, but I don't know if I want to see these pictures. And I'm telling you guys, this is the only time where we're going to tell a story to where the pictures afterwards will make you appreciate the story more. I'd almost It's a shame that I can't tell people, go look at the pictures first, then listen to the story. Mm-hmm. Because by the time you've heard this, mm-hmm. you've already listened to it, and it won't have the same effect. But you trust me, these pictures will get more looks than any pictures we've ever posted, because they're almost essential for the story. For I kind of want to see the one dude from the 18th century with all his clothes and his hair. I got that one, and I'll try, I'm going to try to, uh, without having to go through and label all these, but... Uh, I'm going to try to put them in a way where you'll be able to figure them out. Mm-hmm. So let's do this now. We've got this. This is kind of funny, but we've got the uh, the thing we've teased now for the last show and earlier this one with Phil Holmes from Scared and uh, Lee Solway from uh, Don't Break the Oath slash uh, whatever the new show's called. What's it called? I'm just kidding. It's Realm of the Supernatural. <laughs> but the funny thing about this was uh, Phil, who it was his idea for the show, Forgot to give himself an intro. He just started right into oh, it. Oh, he did. Yeah, so I'm going to give his intro. Hello, Chops. <laughs> no, that's not British, is it? Uh, I don't know what that was. Oh. <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> a for effort? I wasn't going to do a, a horrible accent. I was just going to basically say <laughs> Phil Holmes is the host of Scared and the Worst Crimes Ever which is a really cool show if you haven't checked it out. It's a true crime show, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's it's pretty short. They're only like you know 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes long, but they're very educational, and it's done in a different way than anybody yeah, else does it. Yeah, absolutely. So not a lot of blood and guts type uh-huh. details and stuff, but you get the, the gist of the story pretty well. So And Phil tells the story really great he does. with his accent. I love it. So let's give this a listen and hope you guys like it. Loch Ness is large, deep. In fact... It's deeper than most of us can even imagine. It is world famous. But only for about the last hundred years, those stories that you already know, the pictures that you are picturing in your minds, that thing sticking out the lock, the humps, the neck. (laughs) It was the 6th of December, 33, that first photograph, taken by Hugh Gray, appeared in the UK in the Daily Express, and it sent the UK and then the rest of the world into panic. Was there a monster? That surgeon's photograph, was there a monster? An old dinosaur living in a Scottish lock, spelt with an H, not a K. Talking of which... (laughs) This is our new thing every month. I get together with some friends and with Lee Solway. Lee, over to you. Introduce yourself. I can smell fish. Tell us all about you and your show, sir. Hi, my name's Lee and I'm from Grimsby. I think um, well, my show is a, a paranormal kind of show, isn't it? The Realm of the Supernatural podcast. Have you changed the name again? Yes. Yeah, the other name was shit, wasn't it? 
it, it didn't really do what it said on the tin, did it? So it needed to go. Well, it was called, of course, Don't Break the Oath, and, and sadly I broke it, and then I couldn't listen anymore. So I'm glad that you changed. Yeah. And uh, Lee and I are in the UK. We now go to Kentucky, and it's our friend, an actor, world famous. He appears on mugs. <laughs> he appears on posters. The main thing Jerry Pauly does is sell shower curtains, but he also does a podcast with his wife, Tracy. Jerry, over to you. <laughs> Thank you, Phil, for that um, spectacular and uh, yet forgettable introduction. Um, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with uh, my wife, Tracy. Hello, guys. And we do, uh, obviously, hillbilly horror stories and uh, mostly paranormal, a little bit of unexplained. And we love both of you guys, so we were glad to be a part of this. True that. Thank you very much, and I love your show, kids. Well, I would send you one, but they're rather expensive, and by the time you spend uh, $340 just to ship it to Great Britain, uh, you'll just have to shower with, you know, maybe some saran wrap or something up. It's what I use now, a bit of clean film, a bit of shower... A bit of wrap. It's uh, it's all good. I always leave the window open because uh, my neighbours like to look in because they're into the paranormal as well. Now the idea, <laughs> the idea of of this came up by Lee Solway. Lee actually had a, a, a great idea, and he said, "Well, look, the three of us, you know, we we talk on Facebook. No one's uh, going to believe that. We 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 share photos, normally of lady boys, um, but we." I do actually. I'm a collection. <laughs> it's up for sale at Sotheby's this week. Um, and then we thought we'd do a show together, and this is how it all came together. So every month, one of us will choose a topic and introduce it. This month, I have chosen the Loch Ness Monster simply because it's not that far away from me. But for me and Lee, with our podcast, we're into the we're into the monsters, Lee, aren't we? You and I. Oh, the cryptids for sure, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I only started getting into uh, Bigfoot, really, when I met the ex-wife, but now it's it's a passion of mine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, I, 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 spent, I spent more on uh, Gillette Venus razors during my 20 years with her than I, than I did... Uh, on the house or the car, uh, and I couldn't make it a taxable expense. What I was gutted about, and I've shared this on the show, is that uh, me and Gabriel, my 10-year-old son, if you're listening on one of the other shows, uh, are passionate about finding Bigfoot. Um, if you've not seen the show, it's where um, six people go out in, in, in forests and woods across the world wearing a assortment of uh, metal with cameras sticking in their faces. Mm, and they, and they lights everywhere, yeah. And, and they hear wood knocks, and they hear howls, and uh, and and. But it, it's beautifully made. And I was gutted about a year ago where the Finding Bigfoot team actually came to the UK, and where they were based is about two miles from where I'm sat now. I was gutted. I could have gone over. I I I I was in a relationship at the time. I could have taken the ex-wife, and then the show would have been called Fang Bigfoot. But we move on. We move. On. So we're talking like not look this monster. Let's go to Jerry first and Tracy in Kentucky. You're American. 
what for Americans is the Loch Ness Monster? What's the whole story in America? I would I would say what most people think is the the infamous uh, uh, physician's picture. Was that was that what it was called? The physician's picture? Mm-hmm. Yes. Surgeon's picture. Yeah. Surgeon's picture. Well, who's a gynecologist? So yeah, to call yourself a surgeon is quite the. But anyway, um, that picture is probably what most people think of here when when you talk about the Loch Ness monster. Um, I think that most people believe that it's all myth. Uh, no real facts to it whatsoever, uh, but a good story nonetheless. You see, I know now that that photo, and I, I'm sure we're all going to share it on our Facebook groups and whatnot. Uh, of course, in my Facebook group, nobody will see it. But stop, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, if you post it, I just do what I normally do and steal it from your group. But most people now. Have, have, have said this is a hoax. He's now come out and said it's a hoax. I saw on Twitter, um, and, I, and I shared this on my Facebook group, and then somebody stole it and put it into Lee's group. It's, it's how it happens. You know, you do, a, you do a paranormal podcast. It's quite incestual. Uh, that's why Tracy is married to all three of us, by the way. You didn't know this. Uh, but it, it was said about a month ago that Italian tourists at Loch Ness had taken a photo of... Um, humps and a head coming out, but nobody had shared the photo yet. Have you heard that story? No, I haven't heard that yeah. one. Uh, yeah, a guy run across that, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no photo, is there, so what can you... What can you say? I just thought the interesting thing of that is the fact that, that there is no photo. This is a recent sighting at Loch Ness. It was like three weeks ago. But this is not somebody selling a book or um, <clears throat> trying to flog a podcast. It, it was just another reported sighting. Now, there has been over the years, and we've seen it, Discovery Channel have done a couple of episodes about this, where, you know, they put the boats out on the lock, they've got the sonar, and still they normally find nothing. Lee, what do you think? Uh, what about the sonar? I don't really. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a moving target, in it. So <clears throat> I'm not really sure where I stand on Loch Ness. Uh, you know, as as whether it's real or not. I, I, I sort of lean towards uh, it not being real. Um, I think most of it looks like it was based on a hoax. Uh, that surgeon's photograph was turned out to be a hoax, didn't it? But. Um, Sonar, I mean, you, you hear about the lake, and obviously it's massive, it's vast, it's deep, it's got caves, uh, it's got, you know, course ways that lead out to sea. You know, could something be hiding in the caves? I mean, yeah, it could. Uh, you could sonar the lake, and if it's in a cave, you ain't going to see it, I guess. So, I don't know. I, I think um, I, I think there's better ways to do it now than sonar, uh, you know, but... I just saw where um, 2017 was actually a record number of sightings, which was eight, which doesn't sound like a lot, but they said that's a record number of sightings for seeing the monster. Mm. Yeah, that that well, that lends more weight to it being real, I suppose, because if it was fake, or you know, if it was all hopes, you'd expect to see, you know, because there's thousands of tourists go there every year, isn't there? So you'd expect to see uh, a lot more sightings 
than you do. And the fact that you only get, you know, a handful every year maybe lends more weight to actually being real in a, you know, sort of strange, perverse way. Unless that's their way of building up the tourism industry. Maybe somebody local, whether it be businessmen, whether it be uh, somebody in the local government, maybe they're just setting some things up just to make sure that they drum up tourism. Possible, yeah. But then you've got sightings all over the world because this is the thing with Loch Ness. Obviously, we're talking about Loch Ness uh, in general today, but you've still got, you know, you've got uh, Champ, aren't you, in Lake Champagne? You've mm-hmm. got uh, Ch- uh, Ogo Pogo. Uh, you know, you could go into the McKinley Membe as well if you wanted to, which is slightly different, although it's a similar sort of dinosaur, if you want to call it that. Apart from it's not got flippers, uh, it's got feet. Uh, look like, and the 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 people there say that it looks like uh, elephant's feet. Uh, but the even the land sightings of Loch Ness, and they're my favourite stories because, you know, I don't really know why it'd be coming on land, but you know, people do see it on land. Which you know, if you're going to make up a story about Loch Ness, you, you're surely going to say you saw it in the water, aren't you? But you know, people do say they see it on land, and they're my favourite stories. And there's a there's a few of them actually that say. They saw it on land and it had flippers. So, you know, because if you was going to make up a story about it being on land, surely, I mean, we all picture it in our minds to have fl- flippers, don't we? Like a player saw, is it? But, you know, if you've seen it on land, would you say flippers? I don't know. That is strange to th- even think about the land sighting because you can dismiss a lot of the um, the sightings in the ocean. or I mean, not the ocean, but the, uh, you know, whether you're talking about one of the other creatures or what have you, but... When you're talking about something like the lake, the waves can look a certain way. I've seen them do um, like this giant wave-producing machine where they can study that's over in uh, Great Britain where they can make the waves pretty much show you anything. And they made it look like humps. They made it look like, you know, um, you know, so it's possible that somebody could see that. Even the, the 2003 documentary that the BBC did, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but they had put a fence in the lock and they would raise it when a busload of tourists came by and then they asked them what they saw and so many of them thought they saw the monster in reality it was just a fence so the theory was people see what they want to see then why do you go so much trouble that's so much trouble don't you think what what's trouble to make it look like the lock ness well if it's producing business for your town i don't know it just seems like a lot of trouble i don't know i wonder if i don't know i don't know don't you think the, the the, you know, the myth is there now. You know, the folklore is there. So, I, you know, do we need to, do we need to have hoaxes for people to go back? I think people will go there. Um, you know, without any sightings. Well, the myth's there, but if you don't have the sightings, eventually that'll die down. I mean, it's like having a sports team that's great and they've been great for thirty years, but as soon as they start slacking off and not being as good, attendance dies down. You know, the history only gives you so so much. Mm, true, but it has been going on now since I when was that? I was gonna say, yeah. Photo taken, thirty three, nineteen thirty three. Well, you you know so. the first sighting, the first recorded sighting was in five sixty five A D when Saint Columba supposedly came across a funeral that was on the banks of some guy. Uh, that was supposedly killed by the monster. So he ordered somebody else to get into the, the lake. And then when the monster came after him, he just, by the will of God, banished him uh, to hell forever. And that was the, supposedly the first sighting of the monster. And then it was all the way like 1933 
when George Spicer saw it before anything ever was mentioned again of it. So that was a pretty nice period of time. That's some crazy mm. crap that goes on back in the days. There must have been some. There must have been, you know, the story must have been around for for him to come up with the idea of the hoax in the first place. So there must have been, you know, the locals must have still been talking about it, presumably. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's a good picture, though, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like he's, like Phil said, we can all picture it in our minds, can't you? And as soon as you think about the paranormal or cryptids and that, this image is is iconic, isn't it? Um, so I hope he, uh, I hope he sold more T-shirts with that picture on than I do. <laughs> well, you know, and the whole thing with the um, the surgeon's photograph, like I said, Phil said, you know, they've came out and said that was a hoax, and the story behind that, if people are unfamiliar, is there were some footprints. Marmaduke Weatherall um, supposedly seen some footprints and had a story in the Daily uh, Mail was going to hire him to basically prove the story of Loch Ness. And when he couldn't do it, they fired him. So then the story goes that he, he and a couple of friends put together this model of the monster and they stuck it on a toy submarine and took pictures. And then they gave the pictures to that, uh, the surgeon. And I think his name was uh, Robert Wilson. And they figured if he turned them in, that it with him being a, uh, fairly publicized and, and well-known citizen, well-respected citizen, that it wouldn't be disputed. And that's kind of how the whole hoax was supposedly uh, set up. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Isn't this a bit like, if I wanted to come to Kentucky, wherever that is, and, and open a bar, there'd be other bars. But if I said it had demons... Suddenly my bar not only gets in people that want to listen to live music and want to uh, have a drink, but also we get in all the paranormal crowd. And that's similar to Bobby Mackey's. And not suggesting in any way there is not nothing or anything happening at Bobby Mackey's. And is that not the point that Lee's making, of course, that Loch Ness, Inverness, is the middle of nowhere. You have to make such a trip to go there. It's even if you're staying at Edinburgh, it's still three and a half, four hours north of Edinburgh. But this has now created this massive tourist market at Loch Ness. Well, yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, but you know, for, for it to be going on, you see, that's what I mean because I, I don't know where. Where I mean, by the end of this, I might have swung into the it does exist camp, but uh, uh, because for it to go on this long, you know, it's got to be you think there's got to be something to it, but then I guess you know, you could point to other things that we we, we probably all agree, uh, bullshit. so that have gone on just as long, I mean, longer. So I don't know, I think, um, what I love, what I love when I was talking to Gabriel about this. And, and of course, let's not forget. Of course, the uh, you know there was that Hollywood movie starring the, the you know the, the, the character from Cheers, Cliff. Uh, there was one of those, and there was uh, the uh, the Scooby Doo episode. Have you have you all seen the Scooby Doo Loch Ness episode? Yes. No. It's 
Lee, you know nothing about the paranormal. It's just me, Tracy and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> It's the best. It's the best episode. It is the best. Episode. Um, it's the best one because you know all the Scottish accents were, I think, voiced by Americans. So you know they're as bad as my Scottish accent, which which is a, a, a thing of Mike Myers from uh, you know Austin Powers. Oh, baby, sick. <laughs> when I talk to Gabriel about this, and and for my listeners, they'll know that. Um, Gabriel and I planned to go to Loch Ness this year, and uh, Gabriel found a wonderful campsite right on the shores of Loch Ness. Now, now, you know, you know me. I have, for my listeners will know this. I have two brain cells. I release a show called Scared. <laughs> I do a crime show called Worst Crime Ever. Brain, no brain, no brain. Tech show, The Apple Week, no brain, no brain. I get the campsite because it's on the shores of Loch Ness and it's called Loch Ness Shores. They win a point with me. You can get a camping location right at the shores of Loch Ness. Uh, and I was saying to my listeners that Gabriel and I would go and we would camp right on the shore. And literally from your tent, it would be the length of your car until the waves are lapping. Mm. And we set up cameras and I thought that would be amazing. And Gabriel said to me, and he's 10, but I think a lot of the listeners will think this. Yeah, but you know, it might be the deepest lake in Great Britain. It might be this, it might be that. What does it for me, and we'll get your three opinions on this, it's the fact, and of course Lee's already mentioned this, it's open to the sea. Mm. Anybody, anybody, anything can come in and out. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just wanted to point out, because um, we'll probably get people emailing in, or you will, <laughs> but uh, people will be... Uh... <laughs> no, no. Jerry, but... Jerry, if you get people emailing, pass them on, will you? <laughs> but uh, no, it's not, it's not the deepest uh, lock. That's lock um, uh, Mora. It's... Um... You know, it is deep, but it, ain't, it isn't the deepest one, which I, I didn't know till today. Uh, it's also not the, even the biggest lock in um, Scotland. That's uh, Lock uh, Lamond, 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 is it? So, there's some things to point out. On that accommodation you was talking about, have you heard of the Bonnet Lighthouse? Hello? <laughs> no, no. No? Well, no. Loch Ness, yeah, was once watched over uh, by Scotland's smallest manned lighthouse, which is the Bonner Lighthouse. Uh, the lighthouse keepers used to put a lantern in the window to guide ships from the Loch, uh, the Loch Ness to the Loch, I think it's Dog, dog 4. Uh, today, though, Bonner Lighthouse has been restored and is available as a holiday home. Now, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Good up there. Give you some views, wouldn't it? Well, you know, Wood and, and, and Urquhart Castle is the other one. But for me, you know, this is me, to camp in a tent, right? Right on the shore, six feet, ten feet from the shore. And just the waves lapping. I mean, listen, for everybody listening, if you went to Loch Ness, you stayed there or you stayed in a tent, could you ever take your eyes off that lock, off that lake? No, but the moment you did, 
You know what I mean? The first moment you need a piss or something, you'd, you'd be there, wouldn't you? Turn around against the tree, and then you'd hear the splash, wouldn't you, behind you? Why wouldn't you just pee in the lock, Lee? Come on. Why would you need to take your eyes off? That's just not being conservative. We're not savages over here anymore, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I... We do use I, trees. And I, and I just think, and I wish I was writing down times, because now I have to edit out all of Lee's swearing. Uh, for oh, my oh, listeners... Yeah. <laughs> let me bring this in because i love this and and uh you know on my show i, I do this thing now with paranormal news and and it, and and it came out of what i do on patreon and it, it's all thanks to jerry actually uh that said he enjoyed it and and i always find these stories and and i do this and i and i hope you'll do this and i, I know listeners will do this where you get on something like Google Maps, when you get on Street View, when you start walking around somewhere and you see something. Now, here's something for you. On April the 19th, 2014, an Apple Maps satellite image, who even knew Apple Maps did that, showed what seemed to be a large creature just below the surface. Possible explanations, wake of a boat, sea causing, seal causing ripples, floating wood. You know all about that, Lee. But I, <laughs> you know, I, I know this is where paranormal's going now, right? Because with so many things, and we all share it in our Facebook groups to our listeners, talking about Loch Ness now, now you can be there, right? You can be there. When I was saying to listeners for Gabe and me to go to Loch Ness, it wasn't about us having a free holiday, even though somebody very kindly in America left me a review last week to say that I was trying to get a free holiday. What I actually said is we'd set up six webcams. Isn't this... And, and, and Jerry and Tracy, you're doing these live events now at places like Waverley. Isn't it amazing that? With the paranormal, that we don't need to watch edited shows on the telly to get the vision, edited YouTube videos. We now can use things like Google Maps, Apple Maps, and we can be there. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it change, It's a game changer. I think um, drone drones are the the other uh, you know advantage now. Uh, you know, a lot of people are catching. All kinds of weird shit on dro- drones, aren't there? So, you know, that'll be the you know that'll be the next great Bigfoot video will be uh, probably from a drone. I would say it doesn't matter what evidence you catch on film. If you don't want to believe, you're going to say it's a hoax. It's that simple. It doesn't matter oh, yeah. what it is. Yeah. If you don't see it right in front of you and it happens, these skeptics th- there'll never be proof that everybody's going to believe. It's that simple. Well, should we, I mean, you know, should we outline whether this is even possible for a creature this size to be in that lock, you know? Is it, is it even possible? I mean, the lock was formed, you know, millions of years ago when you know, dinosaurs were about. So I suppose that gets one tick for it. The fact that the lock uh, sort of averages six, six degrees Celsius around the air you know, you know, it never freezes, and again, it's salt water, uh, obviously coming in from the sea. So, yeah, I guess that lends weight to it being possible. Uh, you know, 
rather than other locks. And maybe the, you know, the, maybe there is something significant about this lock in particular, and that hence why we see this creature in this lock and not in others because there's plenty of lakes, you know. Uh, and again, going back to the hoax scenario, there's plenty of lakes around the world uh, in, this, in, in this country and elsewhere. So the fact that we only ever see this creature in this lock, you know, and again, I know you pointed out earlier that people tend to see what they want to see, but it does not strike you as strange if it's a hoax. Well, I, I think that it would have had to, if, especially if it's a, a plesiosaur, it would have had to somehow manage to live 66 million years and something that size managed that little entrance from the sea into the actual lock, which that's, it's narrow, it's it's dangerous, it's plenty of rocks and stuff in there. I think the chances of that happening uh, would be very slim. Uh, I think it's probably something. I know there's a guy that's been over there, you know, spent the best part of the last 25 years searching it. He now believes that it's probably a giant catfish. And when you see some of the pictures of these catfish out there uh, that have been in, in bodies of water that big, that probably wouldn't surprise me. No, nor me. I think that the, uh, you know, the humps, what people see, you know, even if it was a player, so I don't think you'd see them humps. I think, um, you know, that probably is just wakes, you know, from maybe two passing boats, you know, where the wakes collide or whatever. Um, but yeah, the long neck, that kind of stuff. I mean, if people are seeing a long neck tail and people are seeing this on land, then it sort of rules out catfish. Well, that's true. If they see it on land, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of which stories do you believe, you know? It's just... yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I believe any of them, but yeah. I'll take your point. Well, the thing, though, isn't it? Is it's it's like, you know, a lot of the stories that we all come across and our listeners come across. It's it's what I share with my paranormal news, and we see this in our groups and other groups where, you know, um, my baby's doll is walking and talking. Says Chardonnay, twenty-one, single mother. Mm. And you think, oh, why can't it be William, fifty-nine, lawyer? Um, and I think, oh, you know, it's... Well, it, well partly because he's got a reputation to uphold, I guess. Yeah, maybe that. But again, you know, I, th I think... And, and, and I don't think you guys don't do it so much, but I, I share on my show, I think often the paranormal gets a bad name for those people that are genuinely interested uh, or have experienced something because of those people... The people that we know go on to American Idol or the X Factor, the people that can't sing, and everybody tells them they can, and they go on absolutely believing it. It's not their fault. Everybody's told them that. Mm. And, and, and you know, we'll, we'll come up to this in a couple of months, but, you know, when it comes to, like, UFOs, and I, I, I'm not going to change the subject, but when it comes to UFOs, I wasn't a great, you know, you kind of think, well, we're one planet and there's got to be something else out there, surely. And I was going through YouTube about two years ago, looking at UFO footage. There used to be a great uh, show, uh, an American show called Chasing UFOs, and it was brilliant. Um, 
And that sort of changed my mind. And then I saw this YouTube footage of some UFOs. And it blew my mind. And then I realized it was over the town that Gabriel and I live in. I didn't realize this at the time. Back to Loch Ness. As Lee says, one lake, one lock. America has stories. South America has stories. Asia has stories. Is it just a tourist trap? As Jerry says, could something have lived in that lock, in that lake for that long and nowhere else in the world? Tracy, you've been quiet. What do you think? I think that... It's not real. Because, dang, how can he live that many years, right? Right? Well, I, I, I thought you were 60 million years old. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> so you I'm, not, I'm not quite there at 60 million yet, but I'm headed that direction. So, Presumably we're talking about breeding pears here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, you would have to. to be, yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, I don't know how long these creatures live in the wild, but I don't imagine it's that long. But they don't live in the wild well, because they're extinct. So are they? Are they? <laughs> yeah, and and don't forget, some animals and and many plants are asexual, where of course they they breed with themselves. And after my divorce of two years ago, that's me as well. <laughs> Seeing the pictures, I think. Um, I mean, we've got to bring up the the coelacan, haven't we? Because you know believed to be extinct by all the leading experts and then all of a sudden it turns up in a fishing net so you know there's definitely things out there that we think no longer exist I I would never say that never oh I wouldn't either but I do think that it would be harder to happen in that lock than it would be if it was just out in the ocean so I'm I'm the same way with Bigfoot so let's sum up with our final conclusions Uh, I for one am it's a great story, but I just don't think um, that it's possible. And I say that I would like to give it a big-ass hug. There you go. Mm. And then it would probably eat me, and then it would be over with. But that's okay. At least I can say I hugged Loch Ness, so, right? Yeah. Nessie. Nothing like hugging Nessie. I am uh, in the middle, really, 50-50 on this. Um, of course you are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was... No, nah, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I, I think it's bullshit. I think it's rubbish, Phil. Well, you know, for me, I want to believe. I really do. Mm. For me, for me, and I, and I share this with my listeners, the whole monster thing, it is my passion. It's, I want to believe in a Bigfoot, and I want to believe in in sea monsters. I want to believe in a Loch Ness monster, even though it's not plausible. Even though, you know, just like a big hairy thing living in woods everywhere, it's it's not plausible for everything you've said, Lee. You've said Jerry. You said Tracy. But this is something I really want to believe in. I really want. I'll tell you why, right? I'll tell you why. For those people that are listening now that believe in UFOs and aliens, if suddenly, if suddenly, a UFO landed on London or Washington, 
the world would go into panic. It would go into meltdown. But for me, my passion, and the same with the three of you, our passion for the paranormal, if somebody got that great photo of Bigfoot, or if somebody got that great photo of the Loch Ness Monster, for us, it would almost justify what we do. It would justify why people listen to our shows, follow us on social media, support us on Patreon. It would support the whole paranormal community, but nobody would have a meltdown. <clears throat> if aliens landed tonight on Washington, the world would go into chaos. If tonight somebody took a photo of the Loch Ness Monster on the shore, it would be everywhere on the media. But we'd almost smile and, and feel better about ourselves. And that's my thought. Mm. Well, I agree. But, I, I, you know, I agree to some extent. But I do believe that if, you know, people, if the government, if you need the government to, uh, you know, to give you the thumbs up or thumbs down for these sorts of things, which I don't, but if you do, then I do believe that... The, I don't believe that the world will go into meltdown. I think, um, yeah, for 10 minutes, people had panicked. But as soon as The Walking Dead started again, or Game of Thrones or whatever, they just go back to watching telly. It'd be, you know, I think it'd be in, in one ear and out the other. I think most people, especially the hardened skeptics, they'd probably say, uh, yeah, 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 so I, I, I always knew that, that that would happen, you know, and just go back to the day job. So I don't know. I think we all know that the, a lot of these things are real. Well, I do. Uh, not a lot less, obviously, but... Yeah, I don't need no statement from anybody. And if it happened, Jerry would post about it in his group, and I'd steal it for mine. Right, we're out of time, because in America it's Mother's Day. Jerry and Tracy are hiring a hot tub, and they're paying by the minute, so they have to go. So, it's time to say goodbye, and do some plugs. So, Jerry and Tracy... Over to America and over to you. Thank you so much, Phil. Just uh, listen to Hillbilly Horror Stories wherever you get your podcasts, especially uh, wherever you listen to Scared, you can find us. So that's pretty much it. So we're happy to be a part of this and can't wait till next month. Yeah, this was a blast. Thank you, guys. Thanks for including me. And happy Mother's Day to you, Tracy, as well. Thank you, sweetheart. Appreciate it. Um, big kiss. Mm. Thank you. And uh, by the way... Uh, the shower curtain was lovely. Lee, over to you. Uh, well, yeah, we are Realm of the Supernatural podcast, so you can find us anywhere. Actually, you can't. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. You cannot find us on Google Play and all that shit, so look for us there. It's nice talking to you, Lee. Yeah, it's nice talking to you guys. Thank you. Sure, he don't normally let you come on, so. I know, he's kind of rude like that. I don't know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go, we're done. And I know you guys have got to go in America. So that was a pretty fun uh, recording to sit there and do with all, all those two guys and all, all four of us sitting here together. Um, I wished you guys could have heard the pre show. Of we spent about 20 minutes just talking and basically it was uh, Phil uh, making fun of me and making fun of Lee and then us joking back and but I mean 
And Phil is completely underrated when it comes to comedy. He's, without a doubt, one of the funniest people I've ever and talked to. He is to. very funny. And I know he had Tracy laughing so hard at some point <laughs> that she couldn't. She, we couldn't hear each other talk over her laughing because Phil had her laughing so hard. But he's just that kind of guy. Well, all I can say is turn the radio down when I'm laughing out loud. That's right. But guys, we uh, appreciate everything that you do for us, and uh, we hope you enjoy the show this week. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend's coming up, guys, and it'll be a nice long three-day weekend for everybody. And well, I guess everybody. And uh, just want you all to have a great week. We love and appreciate you guys so much. And we can't wait to talk to you guys again next week. Yep. And uh, on Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to wash my deck. I have a massive deck. And I can't wait to wash it. And as soon as I do, I'm going to show all of you my deck. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, are you in for a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, actually... um, and it's not a metaphor. It's actually just kind of all dried out and weather beaten right now. <laughs> so. <laughs> we will see you guys next week. Hey, Hillbillies. If you guys enjoy what we do here on the show every week and appreciate all the hard work we put into it, consider being one of our Patreon supporters. All you got to do is go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Click on the tab for donations, and you'll see the Patreon link right there. Click on it, and you can go to our Patreon page. Then you will have a decision to make. You can choose the $1, the $3, the $5, or the $10 donation. Each one gets you different things a month, but regardless, you get some free stuff. Just check out the bonuses under each tier, and you'll see what you get for free for that month, but you'll get something free regardless. Also, if you'd like to buy any Hillbilly Horror Story merch, you're also in the right place on the website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Just click on the store page and see whatever it is that you like. Click on a few links, send a little bit of money, and your item will be on its way. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. We love you, we thank you, and we appreciate you.